Welcome, guys. How are you guys doing today? This is the Cup of Nurses podcast with your hosts, Matt and Peter. We're having an awesome night today. Welcome, guys. Friday, whoever's listening, thank you for listening. Please subscribe, YouTube, on the audio, whatever platform you're listening to. Give us a shout out. Give us a rating. Why? We would love to grow and we would love to keep delivering high quality content to you guys. So not only does this help us to get into the algorithm to be seen and be viewed more, but also helps us with everything else and it motivates us ultimately to keep pushing great content. What are we talking yes, about today, PD? Yes, guys. Do everything what Matt said. And if it's two stars, don't bother. If it's one star, you know, don't even think about it. But on today's episode, episode 38, we are going to talk about BPAs, how they are more predominant in our drinking water, how they're it's more in our blood and how we just deal with them more. And we're also going to talk about how to get the most out of your, your physician, how to see your doctor, what you should be asking, develop a relationship, just kind of give you some tips on how to you know, get the most out of your doctor's visit. Do you feel like when whenever you visit the doctor, sometimes you feel without your question being answered? Or have you ever had that experience? Yeah, I have probably more when I first started going to my doctor, maybe when I was like in my in my teens, when I was going with like puberty, like things like that, that you're kind of shy about asking. But now it's just kind of like, since I deal with them so much, it's just like I'm better off saying it than not. And I, I have a pretty cool doc, so we have a pretty good, good conversation. We talk about a lot of topics and, you know, it's, it's more than, than a visit. It's more of like a, kind of like catching up and stuff like that. What about see, you? see, and like, well, I'm the same way because of, you know, what we do for a living. But most people that are listening sometimes that are maybe non-medical, they, you go in and you barely have 15 minutes sometimes because the doctor's rushing and there's no synergy between each other. And Sometimes your question doesn't get unanswered. Sometimes you feel you you are leaving the doctor's office more frustrated. So not only does it suck when you're waiting, you know, for a long time, 45 minutes sometimes, but you're leaving more frustrated or they tell you sad news and it sucks. Yeah, that's true. I try to get the most out of my visit that I think everybody should. And, you know, don't shy away asking questions. You know, they're, they're there for you. They're like, you're going to see them. They're there for your own health and you're there for your own health. That's, so, if, that's if you guys are definitely clicking. But on the other note, health news. So, so with BPAs, BPAs have got some more recognition in the past few years. I want to say the past about five, six years, just because we use a lot of plastics nowadays compared to back in the day where we used more pottery, I'm guessing, and stone materials. And so basically BPA is just a chemical found in plastics and like different variations of of plastic that you would store, like plastic containers, plastic water bottles. The predominantly one is plastic water bottles. And it's just, we see it more often. We put those things in a microwave and they get released into, into our food. And now we're kind of trying to figure out, are they really as safe as we thought they were? How much how much BPA is, is a safe dose of BPA? Because we do know that there is links with BPA and certain health issues. And the study that we're looking at exactly, it's a comprehensive study of 29 different urine samples in pregnant women and what it's saying is that the FDA is technically lying to us to the concentration that we really thought that we have of um, BPA. It's a lot more. These scientists are saying that we have 44 times more of a concentration of BPA in our blood, or in this case, they, we should say urine because that's what they're testing, than known before. And the reason being is because they're using an outdated method of tracking BPA. I mean, th yeah, that's totally, totally believable. It's like, I'm sure when these things arise, just like with the whole talic powder with Johnson and Johnson, like as we move on towards the future, we develop different tools that, you know, help us trace these chemicals. And then we slowly learn that, you know, they're putting out more than, than, than we thought, like with the plastics, like 
we can kind of tell how much BPA is in a, is in a plastic and get that gets released. But then when you toss the microwave, that's going to release a whole different different kind of amount. So I'm sure I'm not sure if they're I don't know if I would say they're lying to us, but I'm sure that their testing equipment and research are probably over overdated or outdated because a lot of times we figure out these things are safe and we kind of just put it off to the side or we kind of realize that these things are toxic at high amounts, but we disperse into some population with a minute amount. But then we got to realize that, hey, it's not just this one thing that has BPA. It's many things that have, have BPA. And we're actually getting more BPA through these plastics than we have initially when we only had like one or two plastics. Now people have water bottles all the time. They drink, you know, out of plastic in the gym, they store their stuff with plastic, but before people were really doing that as predominantly as they do now. And that's, that sucks. Even I'm noticing like today I went to the store and I bought salmon wrapped in plastic, plastic container, chicken, everything is being stored in plastic. I'm starting to notice that more and more, the more I research this and it's like, dude, not only is it now, you know, the watered bottles, we have to be looking at um, what exactly is being used when it comes to those plastic containers. So one little thing that I found here is that if you, if you look at your label and it says recycling code three, seven, or PC, that means that that plastic is, there's BPA found in it because the way it's filtered and um, recycled. And the reason why we're saying that BPA is bad and why this is such a big deal is because BPA is mimicking the function of estrogen. And what happens is it starts manipulating bodily influences. Um, it manipulates cell growth. It messes with um, fetal development, cell repair, energy levels, and even um, reproduction. Uh, the studies that me and Peter talked about before, we usually were looking at pregnant women, right? And there was a lot of like um, developmental issues, but it's also affecting women where, you know, we talked about breast cancer. Estrogen is a big deal. And look at that, BPA, you know? Yeah, that's completely correct. The one, actually, the one study that I looked at it examined in um, Harvard college students, and they drank their water out of water bottles predominantly. And they found that those people had three times more BPA in their system than, than people that don't consume high quality or high amounts of water through water bottles. And think about it, like we talk about estrogen, like BPA mimics estrogen. So think about it if you're a male, you know, we're not supposed to have as much estrogen in our, in our body as we're getting through this BPA. So a lot of times this leads to impotence, this leads to erectile dysfunction. Know, people have have issues you know with pregnancy and it's because it might be linked to this bpa because we're not 100 percent sure if this is causing these issues but there is definitely a link to bpa and the, the sexual reproductive issues that, that we just dealt with so like, like i said before like it might be a small amount per plastic but then if you take a look at how much plastics you're you're consuming or how much plastics are or how much we rely on plastics, like Matt said, salmons and plastic. Then he, I'm sure he drank water from the gym and a, a plastic, you know, protein shaker bottle. And I'm sure he had like a plastic plate today. And you know that that all adds up, and you know that gets thrown in our system, and we're not really sure if this is causing these issues. And we're seeing that there's a correlation. We're not exactly sure with what amounts cause these issues. And I'm sure it's gonna be different for everybody. And why put yourself in a, in a high risk category if you're more prone to breast cancer or, or these sexual dysfunction issues? Yeah, it's crazy. And BPA has been used for over 40 years in the industries. And what it's used, it's used as a compound to harden plastic and to reach the form that it has currently. Have you actually looked at your containers to see if they contain BPA? That's probably something now I'm thinking I have to do to be more, um, to kind of support what I'm talking about on the podcast. I mean, no, I, I did not. But you said that 
a lot of recyclables are are made from from that right from like bpa is found a lot of recyclable stuff so definitely if you look at your recycling numbers and it says recycling three seven and i believe it's ph i have it somewhere here on my notes we are looking at pc so that means that those recycling labels have bpa in them yeah i'm, I'm sure mine do i bought mine at like walmart so they're for sure gonna have it but I'm trying to think. Yeah, I do use them. I do microwave stuff in them a lot. So that's not gonna, that's not doing me any, any benefit either. But I know like most of my water bottles are like this that I drink water from. So that's at least a positive. So if you're trying to like minimize your BPA consumption, you're probably better off using one of these kind of metal. You can't, if you guys are listening, you can't really see them, but like this metal or tin. It's like whatever. a flask. Yeah, and but I, it's, not, it's not plastic though. It's it's metal or whatever kind of metal derivative, derivative this is better off than drinking from a plastic one. See, and what I'm using here is I have a blender bottle. So just like the typical gym one, and it usually comes in with a label BPA-free. I hope it's BPA-free. I trust the company, but who knows? Maybe in 10 years, they're going to have some kind of lawsuit. It's is just, it, is, it is what it is. I'm sorry? Does it have the recyclable number on there? I take a look there. Yeah, look at it real good, Matthew. I wish there was no, there's no light here, man. I'll have to get back to it. That's right. We'll find it out. Because I have the same brand. Five. There's a number five on it, guys. I had to look. So what that means is that it does not contain BPA. Nice. Nice, right? Okay. That was a whole thing there. Do you want to um put some closure on the BPA and uh, move into the podcast topic of today? Yeah. So according to like the FDA and all those agencies is that they're still doing research on BPA. They're not fully 100% sure what's the exact amount that causes these medical issues that might happen to certain people but if you're trying to minimize this minimize your plastics on our show notes there's a number that matt went over that is labeled on plastics and if it has a number you should probably stay away from it and if you're more prone to getting certain illnesses if cancer runs your family you should definitely stay away yeah but if you could minimize your plastic it's good for environment and it's probably better for your health definitely i kind of like how you kind of put a disclaimer at the end basically like hey we're not saying it's completely bad because the fda says a b and c so yeah, we're definitely getting our um, asses covered here on the show. Anyways, so let's get into how to get the most out of your doctor. And that's something that a lot of people would like to know and the shortcuts on how to be an effective patient, not only for the sake of the, the appointment itself, because everything's going to go by fast. You're going to save the doctor stress because if you come in there and you don't know and you start like rambling on a story, his attention span is going to fiddle away because he's such a busy guy. Like you see the doctors in the hospital yourself, you know? That's very true. And your first step to actually seeing a doctor is actually calling the person or make an appointment online because, you know, you could have all these questions for a doctor, but if, you know, you don't have the time of day to see them or you want to take the initiative, then, you know, you're not going to get anything done. So I guess the first shot would be to find out what your insurance is. Are you PPO or HMO? I know PPO is the one where you could go out of network. You could see whoever you want. You could see a specialist without a referral. But if you're HMO, you kind of got to, like I'd say, you could you gotta be more specific. You got to figure out who accepts your insurance, which doctor, which might be a little bit more tedious than, than the PPO people. And also, if you want to see a specialist, like an endocrinologist, you also need a referral. So you got to actually see your primary care physician to actually see the endocrinologist if you're, if you're HMO. But you should definitely make an appointment and find somebody probably closest to you. That's probably the easiest to see. And then that's also more convenient. You can see them really whenever you have time, you, you can pop in and, on your break or whatever. So just find somebody close to you and make sure that, you know, your insurance covers it. 
I actually had this issue because, you know, I'm Blue Cross Blue Shield from Illinois, and now I'm hanging out in San Diego. And for the past couple weeks, I've been noticing this little fluid buildup above my umbilical, right? So I think I'm diagnosing myself with a hernia. And um, I wanted to see a doctor, and I called my Blue Cross Blue Shield insurance. I have HMO, and I'm so limited. They sent me a PDF with all these doctors to call. I literally spent an hour calling random doctors, and everybody takes PPO here. And if I want to go for a doctor's visit, I got to pay 150 bucks out of pocket. Yeah, I mean, but hopefully, well, that's because you're in a different state. I'm sure people with that, you know, because you're traveling. You're originally from Illinois, from Chicago, so I'm pretty. I'm sure you have many physicians around you in the state of Illinois. I think state to state is where where it becomes more of an issue because you wouldn't have an issue finding a doctor in in, in Illinois. So. I mean, if you travel a lot, your better option is going to be PPO. If you're a travel nurse, probably PPO is going to switch you, switch you the most. But if you know, if it's cheaper to get HMO and you don't really see yourself kind of moving around too much, then HMOs I know is cheaper than than PPO for the most part. So yeah, that's that's exactly right. So that's why for now, what I'm doing is I just went to Mayo Clinic, kind of DIYOR, did my own research, and I'm kind of telling myself, hey, I think I'm fine for now. I'm just cutting back on the weights and. Um, I'll make an appointment once I land in Chicago for Christmas. Yeah. Did you look at like like a CVS or Walgreens where they have like nurse practitioners or like PAs? I didn't. It's the weekend. I found out I was, it really hit my mind Friday and it's been two couple of days. So no, not yet, but I might um, do it tomorrow just to kind of see what's going to happen. Okay. Yeah. Cause there's also options to see like PAs and NPs if, if you're close to like a Walgreens or CVS, I know a lot of people in more of the, um, countryside and more of the rural areas, they might have a walk-ins or a CVS over like a physician's office. You know, they might be far from a hospital, might be far, far from a physician's office, but CVS and Walgreens and those small nurse practitioner driven kind of clinics, you know, they're popping up all over the place just because they're more affordable for, for the, for the system, for the company. So my thing is, option. my thing is I'm just being a little bit biased and I would like to have somebody with experience because if someone's touching my stomach and telling me, Hey, you have a hernia or you don't that person that freaking felt 150 of them compared to like two or three he's not going to tell me the severity of it uh you know what to cut back on exercise wise and activity so i'm kind of being biased they're not giving those little guys a chance but it's my health you know yeah i mean it's okay we're, we're not saying that all the practitioners are going to have little experience i mean i'm sure they're going to have tons of experience it's just it's based on preference if you feel better off you feel better about yourself seeing a physician, you know, go see a physician, don't hold yourself self back. And you no, know, it's all, it's all preference. But a lot of times, you know, when you go to an office, there's, I don't know about your office, but I know my office an NP does check my vitals. She does a bunch of things. And, and I see her for half the visit and I see my physician for the other half of the visit. Okay. Uh, lately, I've, I don't think I've seen my doctor in like two years. I literally go in there, see the nurse practitioner. Hey, I'm feeling this, this is what's going on. When I went in last time, I'm like, Hey, let me check my cholesterol. My, uh, regular labs, which is a BMP, CBC, thyroid, cholesterol. I'm like, I want all this. And I got my testosterone checked too, because I wanted to. The first time she didn't give it to me because she's like, well, you don't have erectile dysfunction and stuff. I'm like, oh, okay. The next time I told her, hey, maybe this is affecting my sleep. And I fiddled my way in there and got my T checked. So, but anyways, how to get the most of your doctor, which is the second part after you find out your insurance is you want to start asking yourself, like, what do you want from your doctor? And things you should start asking yourself is how often are you going to see them? 
Is it a specific um, specialty? And you have to be honest, like, what are you like going in there for? Is it for regular labs? Then you might just want whatever doctor. But if it's a specific prognosis, let's just say, and you're dealing with cancer, or you want a second opinion about things, and you should really nitpick your doctor, maybe drive the extra 25 miles, we'll see somebody that has the years of experience to give you the best judgment possible. Right. It's completely true. Like doctors and nurses don't know to help, don't know how to help you if you don't explain to them what's going on. Like if you have pain and you don't bring up that you have pain and you say you feel great, you feel fine, then we can't, like they can't read your mind and you know, they can't really, really treat it. There's nothing like to go off of because a lot of this stuff is subjective, like lightheadedness, like things like that. Like, you know, if you come in and say you feel warm at night, you can't get a good night's sleep, you're waking up, you might have OSA, you might have obstructive sleep apnea, but we're not going to know that until you, until you tell us like the symptoms or things that have, that have been happening. And I feel, I feel like the main issue here is, is if these things turn chronic. Like if somebody has chronic pain, they get kind of used to that pain and they don't really bring it up as much because you know that's something that they live with for so long it's almost like normal to them same with like not getting a good not getting a good night's sleep so if you haven't been sleeping good you've been sleeping for four hours or four hours a night and you've been doing that for three four years you never told anybody about it and you just feel like hey that's just the way i sleep well really it's not the way you sleep it's because something's going on internally that's causing you to sleep only for four hours and that's one thing that we kind of want to tell our patients too is that it doesn't matter how old you are pain is not something that comes with age like if you have pain and there's something going on, you have to treat the underlying cause and not just take like the Tylenol or like I've noticed a lot of like nurses like, you know, oh, I have a headache and I'm, they're just taking ibuprofen before the shift or Tylenol. Like, like that's okay to do. Like maybe they're dehydrated or there's something else going on that you have to fix in your diet or your body, whatever. It's like sometimes we just neglect and we want to just cut the, cut the, cut the symptom, you know? That's very true. Yeah. You want to, you know, and just not just with like don't just talk about symptoms like yeah that's very important too but you also want to build a relationship with, with your doctor so kind of get to know each other you know and just ask a few questions ask you know where he went to school you know how long has he's been doing this for and tell him a little bit about yourself like the, the job you do because a lot of times your career affects you know like like your health like let's say you do construction and you have you have back pain so now the kind of physician might be like i think maybe statica because you know you work in construction you do probably a lot of heavy lifting you might have put your back up a little bit or you feel like a if a nurse comes in saying she, you know, has, you know, hasn't been feeling right, she's been more tired or something, something like that. And, and now the doctor knows that he's, he, that she's a nurse. Maybe she's not, not drinking enough water. Maybe he recommends, you know, drinking some water. He might do like a sensitivity, urine sensitivity test and sh shows that she's dehydrated. Like you, you got to know each other. You got to, she, doctors got to know where you come from. What do you do to properly treat you like a whole, as a whole person, not just your symptoms. Cause you know, a lot of these symptoms, are overlap with different diseases. So just kind of just figure each other out, see what you guys do, just have a good conversation, get to know each other a little bit. And then we're going to talk about relationships and how important they are to outcomes. And definitely, I agree with that one when it comes to nurses, even dehydration, because when I got my lab test done in summer, I noticed my B1 is a little bit elevated. So just not drinking enough water, to be honest. But another thing is before you walk in as well and pick your physician, you want to empower yourself. You want to definitely understand what's going on, what you're going for. Do some own research to kind of find out the medical jargon that might be thrown at you or anything that might help you and a doctor both come to a conclusion of what's going on exactly in your body. And when it comes to physicians and looking for them, 
there's a few websites that we can list on the show notes. One of them is uh, it's called Health Grades, and there's over 19 million visitors per month. And this basically checks different physicians that are um, the ratings, I should say. So maybe that that's something you would um, you would enjoy. Yeah, I've never been on the website. I have you checked it out? I know like back in college, there was the RayMyProfessor.com. I would, I would always like look up those professors. Um, like before I pick a class, if there's like a choice between two or three professors, I will always pop into RayMyProfessor.com and I would just look which one's the easiest and I would, and I will always just take that one or which one had like the best reviews. So I've done that as well, but I feel like because we're in our 20s, that is not something we're going to do yet. But definitely when I get older and I'm going to have like some kind of pain or something I want to go see, I'm going to be very nitpicky with who I pick because I'm just very self-aware of like what happens in the hospital. You know, you have that physician that doesn't take the time for their patients. He freaking pops in, looks at them and freaking leaves and just collects the freaking consult note or, or the, the, you know, the money for the day from the patient. But there's no relationship there. So I'm going to be nitpicky in the future and probably go on something like that. Yeah, that's true. But there's also like that. So with any review, you got to be careful because there's always like that negativity bias where, you know, you had a good experience and you, you don't really rate when you have a good experience. Only time you rate is when you had a bad experience and you want to be heard because you're upset. Just because somebody gives somebody a few negative reviews or, you know, like a handful, you know, don't shy away from them. Just because there's like four negative reviews on a, on a doctor and that's so many four reviews he, he's got doesn't necessarily make him a, a bad physician. Because you got to think about it. He sees a multiple people. So it might have been four reviews, but you might have seen, you know, 100 people. So that's really not that much. So just because, you know, someone, someone had a bad experience. Grain, grain mean, of salt. Right. That doesn't mean you're going to have a bad experience. And a lot of times doctors are busy. So there is going to be times where you might feel rushed or you might just feel like you walk in, you walk out. And, and th that does happen. And unfortunately, doctors do have busy schedules and it does get filled out where you, you might feel that way. But. In that case, you know, you should definitely talk to your doctor about that or let somebody know in the clinic and, and say like, hey, I don't feel like my doctor spent as much time with me, which that's, I highly doubt a lot of people do that, but there is another option besides giving somebody like a negative review, like try to figure out why they're busy. Or even when he comes in and he kind of seems rushed, you can always always ask like, hey, do you have a busy day? And, you know, they might tell tell you, yeah, this is what I, this is what I still have to do. So, you know, this is why I'm kind of in a hurry. And then you kind of have a more of a human interaction. You kind of understand like his perspective too. Because his his intention isn't to just bring you in and bring you out and just, and just collect your money. He genuinely wants to wants to help you make sure make make sure that you're healthy and nothing goes wrong with your body. Ultimately, that's the goal, and that's another thing is now that we're looking into reviews and we're kind of talk about now about assessing this interaction right with the doctor. So definitely, if you go to your doctor, the things that you should be looking for, and you should find a doctor that's curious. Like look at his curiosity. If he's asking you great questions, if he's questioning what's going on, ask you different things. Those are all great things that a doctor should be doing. And ultimately you want to feel like you're being heard. Like he shouldn't be, he should have great eye contact with you. He shouldn't be interrupting. He should let you finish. And a doctor shouldn't make you feel like um, self-conscious about yourself. You should feel like you could tell him anything because that's the relationship that you guys should hone because you guys will have that relationship for a while, hopefully. Yeah, that's true. And when you get a very experienced doctor, I feel more uh, newer practitioners. They're going to be ones that are kind of more curious, more trying to think outside the box, trying to figure out what's going on. And they might kind of scare you a little bit because they have so much ideas going through their head that it might be this, it might be this going on. Is it, you know, chronic pain or is it, or is it cancer? What's that going on? So they're kind of more, more jumpy, which is, which is a good thing too. 
But then you get those practitioners that have been there for a long time and they already kind of know what's going on. Don't know what's going on. Like they've heard these symptoms over and over again. And it's been 90% of the time it's been this and other 10% it's been this. So instead of running like four or five tests, they'll do like two or three and they'll kind of pinpoint it more accurately, more quicker. And it's kind of cool to see uh, both that experience because um, initially when I, at least when I lived in Chicago, when I was younger, I had an old doctor that kind of was just like routine. You know, he knew what was going on. You would tell him this, he need to give you this. And then when I came to move to Lockport, I've had more of like a newer physician. He was like in his mid thirties and he just started his own clinic. So, and he was kind of like, you know, always asking me these like different kind of, kind of questions. Like, what about this? You know, how does like, you know, I know your back hurts, but how does your knee feel? How does that feel? Or, you know, do you have night sweats? Like random things like that, where I'm just like, you know, he's asking me, me a lot, but that's also really, really cool to see. So there's different kind, definitely kind of two grids of doctors, like the ones that are going to be, you know, under younger years where more questions, trying to figure out what's going on compared to the ones that kind of already know what's happening because they've dealt with people that are in for those kind of issues. And definitely that depends on doctors too. Cause I had one doctor, for example, that my doctor seen for his um, prostate and that guy was like in and out every single time. Like he was not in the moment when you're talking to the patient. He's like, okay, hello, Joseph. Do you have any questions? Okay. Everything's good. Okay. Thank you. See you guys in six months. Like it was just very, very quick. And like, you can tell that his brain is not even there. So definitely pick your seeds, right? Yeah. Now that you brought that up, I actually uh, remember now. My sister's first endocrinologist, it was like a, a guy back in Joliet. I don't want to say his name, but I, I, I know his name. And I, I know how he looks, but he was always in and out like, hey, are your blood sugars good? Anything change? No, they're fine. And he, he will leave. And it's literally like we, he had took on so much patience where we would literally wait in his office longer than he saw us. Usually we would wait there for a good 20, 30 minutes and we would literally see him for like 10 minutes. And then he just gave us a script and we leave without any kind of changes. And, it, you know, like at that point, I mean, I didn't know much about the medical field or, or nursing. And now when I'm looking back at it, it's, it's not really right. Like he would just literally walk in and walk out. He wouldn't, he would just look at your A1C and just ask you anything change. No, that he wouldn't really care. Like he wasn't very genuine. It seemed more of like it was business from you trying to get the most money out of it, seeing the most people and just trying to fly through the door as quick as possible. And that was totally unacceptable and not fair. We, we don't go to him and we don't go to him anymore. But now that I look back at it, is I definitely dealt with somebody like that. And it's completely not right. And you shouldn't be with somebody like that. If you got to wait longer than your actual exam examines every time, you know, that's not a good position. So Peter, how do you feel like, how did you feel emotionally when, when you had that experience with your sister and the diabetes, when a doctor just kind of zoned out? Well, like now I don't appreciate it at all. But back then I was, you know, I, I didn't know. I thought that's just how it is because we've seen him or her whole, for most of her life. And that's the one we be, person we've been going to. So back then I just thought that's how it worked. But now when I look, look back at it, I'm just like, you know, that's not how it was. And especially because my sister got a new endocrinologist and she's completely different than this other guy. And even she tells me, she's like, yeah, the previous doctor was doing everything wrong. He wasn't even like following like current standards of practice. Yeah. And that brings us to like the next uh, topic because the doctor patient relationship matters and it's very important. And think about it like basically customer satisfaction, um, patient focus, patient engagement, I should say, is the goal because technically in healthcare, we want patients that are, that are, they want to be involved in their health. And there's so many patients that we have that are disconnected from their health. They don't care about their well being and they have a bad relationship with the doctor and it all affects outcomes. There was a study that was published about the Journal Health Services Research, and it basically took over 
was researching 8,000 chronic illnesses, and I found three levels that patient engagement was impacted. So just to kind of read over this is um, the quality of the patient-physician relationship, especially how the doctor, everything was affected by communication. So that relationship that the patient and the doctor has is very important. Um, the amount of respect and the amount, the amount of fairness that this person had as well with the doctor mattered. And that's where we're talking about with you, Peter, just like you didn't feel respected well. And also sometimes patients prefer telecommunication, like email or telemed, like that, that's a new thing now, which is probably pretty cool. Especially for like the, in the more like in a countryside where there's not much clinics there. It's pretty cool how there's like the, the telehealth and like you could speak to a physician over webcam. You could, you could talk to them, tell them your symptoms and he could treat you kind of right there. He could always write a, write a script where he's working and then you can send it over to the nearest pharmacy. And that's actually really good. I feel like that's definitely going to reach a giant portion of a population that they really have big access to healthcare. And it's definitely going to make people a lot healthier than they, than they were before. But once you get people who got to take the initiative, like then now you got to buy a webcam. Now you got to have a computer that has internet connection, which I'm hopefully a lot of people have nowadays, but it's takes an extra step. I'm not sure how scheduling works for that. I'm not very familiar with, with like telemed or anything like that, but it's definitely a convenience. Like if I could see my physician over the webcam, I, I, I'd be down. I'd just be like, Hey, I'll probably see him like every month. I'm pretty sure in the future, we're going to have such well, healthcare systems and we should probably write this idea down and do something with it but imagine just having a toilet where you just pee your urine and i'm sure you could study so much things about the urine and what's going on exactly in your body body the doctor is going to get direct um services being sent out to him of your urine every week let's just say it's going to be sampled and we're able to going to treat you quicker on what's going on before things get a lot worse because i'm sure in the future we're going to be able to test urine for so many more things so you never know it's i think technology is going to be cool. It just depends on how much privacy we want to give up. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's very true. I mean, that whole urine thing, I, that's probably going to take a little bit because someone's going to have to have like a machine or something, but I'm sure you could pee in a cup and send it somewhere like to a, like a lab facility and your doctor could, you know, have the technicians take, take a look at it. That's what's available now. But Yeah. I was just thinking yeah. more sci-fi. That's yeah, that's definitely there. And now let's b- bounce into how to optimize your time with the doctor, like the actual the visit, because as you know, most people, and it's known that older people, 80% of them feel like once they leave their hospital visit, I mean, once they leave the patient's or the doctor's office, they feel like they forgot something that they were supposed to say. So let's optimize that. So you get the most out of your doctor during your hospital visit. So the first one would be to definitely have your perfect statement. And what that is, is a doctor's going to ask you what brings you in today. That's usually the opener, right? That's what the doctor's famous line is. What's your, what brings you in today? You, you should fine tune that statement. Tell them exactly how are you feeling, what's bothering you, the symptoms, what changed. And let's use an example. Hey, doc, I used to hike every single weekend. Now my knee is flaring up. I don't know if it's gout, but it's just been hurting more on the left than the right. Now I only hike every third, every fourth weekend, and it's affecting my quality of life. So the doctor not only knows what's going on, the symptoms, how are you feeling, but it's letting you know the quality of life that's being affected by what's going on with your your hospital or your doctor visit, I should say. And ultimately, he knows how you're feeling and hopefully the best decision gets made to solve what's going on. Right. That's very true. That's actually a really, really good example that 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 Matt brought up, especially like in an acute situation like that. But even like in your in your chronic state, 
you should definitely do that. Like say like your another example for with pain. So arthritis, for example, like let's say you've been noticing your fingers veering to, to the, to the left and you know, you've been getting more pain during washing dishes and that's been happening over, let's say, let's say over a year now. So a good way to, to find out what symptoms aren't really normal is to ask probably like your friends, are they experiencing these, these pains as well? Somebody in your, your same age group, if they're not experiencing the same pains, then it's most likely not something that should be occurring. I, hopefully given the fact that you and your friends are completely identical, which, which I mean, I highly doubt you are, you guys shouldn't be suffering for, from the same issue. Some of us will deal with hip pain. Some of us will deal with knee pain, some of us back pain and same with headaches. If you get chronic headaches, I know there's, you know, headaches have been studied for a very long time and we're still trying to figure out exactly where these headaches are coming from, but like migraines, like migraines and, and people that suffer from chronic issues like, like, you know, like that, that where they lay down and they have a, get a headache. So, you know, we might not be sure of why it's, where it comes from, but at least let your doctor know. So maybe they could figure something out, you know, maybe you're getting like damage to your retina and that's, that's causing headaches because of your blood pressure or your blood sugar. And, you know, yeah, you, you're, you're diabetic, but let's say your blood sugar parameters are very tightly controlled. Then maybe your doctor needs to maybe tighten those parameters a little bit more just so you don't get that retinopathy or any kind of, you know, headache would, would, would cause that. So it's just like, you got to bring it up. Otherwise, we, we're not going to really know what's not me, but doctor's not going to know how to treat it. And these kind of things that you've been dealing with are, are not normal. You know, so you should have to bring them up. I know those are the hardest ones to catch because like, that's just something you've been dealing with. But a good way to do this is just to keep note of them. When does this pain occur? Does it, does it occur when you wake up and then it goes away? Maybe you just sit for too long of a time. Is it, you know, maybe you just got to stand up every couple hours and walk around and then get that rid of the pain. And you also want to know what what's the answer of the pain or what's the answer of the issue and also what helps relieve it. Like let's say you have trouble breathing when you, when you lay flat and let's say now you use three pillows to prop yourself up and you have three pillow orthopnea. So now we kind of know what you do to treat it. So now we kind of have an idea of what's actually going on. Great way to say it. After that was, um, sorry, I'm just blanking out here for a quick hot second. So you, now you know what's going on. You had, you have your perfect statement here of how you're going to present to the doctor. You should definitely do the, the little things, which is bringing all your medications in or make a list of them the milligrams, how often you take them, that would help the doctors well. And it's going to help like the technician that like processes all that before the doctor comes in. And you also want to bring in your maybe medical records because healthcare, you would think that everything is all, everybody knows every doctor, everybody knows all the CT scans, but the reality is no, there's so many different healthcare electronic systems that it doesn't get past easily. It, there's, it's not universal yet, right? hopefully in the future. So what happens is if you had a CT scan in a different healthcare system, you should have a copy of that and bring it in because maybe that's going to save money on ordering a test. It's going to put money in your pocket and we're going to be able to get to the diagnosis faster. So that's one uh, tidbit that I would um, give to uh, people. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, probably uh, bring a med list. So there's been a handful of times where people are overcoagulated because um, I give one example, people take Coumadin and they also take an aspirin, but the doctor doesn't know they're taking aspirin until, you know, hey, they realize they're taking aspirin because they've randomly brought it up. And also even like the over-the-counter medication, like the um, certain herbs, like I know Ginkgo has a stronger effect with like blood pressure medications. Maybe they can get your blood pressure medication under control because, you know, you're taking this over-the-counter Ginkgo and now your blood pressure is always, always low. 
maybe you know there's medical interactions. Same with like, also your probably diet's a really, really good one as well. If you're on like I said, a cardiac diet. So if you have hypertension, you know, you should know you should be eating, you know, low sodium foods. You should be, you know, taking your medication on time, all that, but also with like spinach and leafy greens, if you're on anticoagulant and you know, your chance of developing a stroke or a random bleed are higher. If you know, eat leafy greens, I'm not saying to not eat these healthy foods. I'm saying that if you eat a certain amount, you should definitely tell your doctor that, that you eat spinach, you know, twice every day, because that's going to, guide them on how much you know coumadin to give you or how much anticoagulation you should, you should give so definitely bring your list of medication you take even your over-the-counter ones even your herbs and be specific on your diet don't just say i eat healthy just tell them what you eat especially if you're on a lot of medications and ultimately the doctor is going to give you the best recommendations you can and then you have to follow through with them and a lot of people don't i had a guy which was um he was getting peritoneal dialysis and they switched over his treatment so he had to start get, taking tums and an extra medication in order to get more calcium in his body. He didn't take the Tums as he was supposed to. He admitted it. He came in for potassium that was like, or I'm sorry, a calcium of like 6.4 or something. Dude was freaking cramping up all damn night. And the F up part is, is ER, of course, brought me up a patient with a freaking infiltrated 22 gauge. Can't even give him calcium. He probably didn't get calcium in the ER. He's freaking cramping up, screaming. I can't do anything about it. And we stuck him like 15 times, dude. Couldn't get an IV for my life. Had to page a doctor. This is a story I never told you. Yeah, man, it's unfortunate how that happens. It's very, very sad to see because people don't don't follow with, with, with what they ask for. I know. I was gonna finish the story, but it's it's definitely a lot longer. And then it gets into doctors. Oh, it gets into doctors, dude. That like some of them are just very, very stubborn, and they have like this whole God's ego thing. We we should just skip that part. Yeah, I mean that's that's the truth. Like. I deal with a lot of LVADs and there's a handful of times where we see an LVAD clot off and, you know, the person eventually dies because, you know, their heart doesn't function. So you throw an LVAD in them, but they're not taking any coagulation and you got a legit machine in your heart. So your body is going to attack it and they just don't take the medication, you know, and we know you're not taking them. You could tell us this. I'd rather have you to be honest and say, no, I'm not taking them versus, yeah, I've been taking them. And then we take your INR and your INR is a 1.5 instead of a 2.5. And now, now we know you haven't taken them. So. If you if you don't follow through with it, at least be honest with yourself and tell the doctor you're not following through with it because maybe you could change it up. Maybe you know you maybe taking a statin and that's causing you muscle cramps. Well, let them know. Hey, I haven't taken it because I have muscle cramps. Don't just say yeah, yeah, I'm taking it because that doesn't do it any any good or injustice for anybody. I wonder if these doctors get burnt out just like nurses because you know when you have those patients that don't listen to you, you get burnt out as a healthcare provider because you're always giving empathy and now you're like, you know what? I'm not even going to tell this guy anymore because he's going to do the same shit. You, you, we deal with that, you know, like we have that crossing your mind. So I'm going to be honest. I wonder if doctors feel that way too, where they see so much shit or they see so much patients where they're not taking care of themselves and they get fatigued and then they act like they don't care because of just like the respect that they're getting because they don't feel respected because they're putting in all this effort and you're not even doing the damn job you're supposed to do, you know? Yeah, that's for sure. Like you go to the doctor for your own, your own good, you know? But what I've seen officers do now that they haven't done it probably like a few years back is, is they remind you like, hey, your last visit was six months ago. Do you want to set up an appointment? So that, that's really good about reminding them. And I'm sure doctors do get burnt out because they send these reminders and people keep neglecting them and they don't. So what probably pisses them off the most is prescribing somebody with medication and then not seeing them again for another year. 
Like, how am I supposed to reevaluate if this medication works if you don't see me a month after? You just take my medication and you don't see me a year. Like, that's, that's not real fair. So, I, I know I see doctors, what they do now is just do a multiply of meds instead of like a, one that has like four refills or five refills. They just give you multiply. That way, you got to come back. And so, just, just in case this medication did, did you more harm than good, you only get that one month supply. You don't get, you don't get those four or five refills where you could take it for six months at a time. You know, when some people have that mentality that they're like, oh, the I, I just went to the doctor for another refill. Like, what was the point there? You know, like sometimes I feel like patients question that because, oh, he just wants me to come in for money. I feel like at least that's like the Polish Polish stereotype um, in, our, in our culture. But like definitely that makes sense where that doctor is just keeping stricter tabs on you and he's making sure you're actually going to do the damn work and take the damn pill. And then maybe he's going to push you back six months instead of like the one month and an extra refill. Right. And of course, you know, think about it. It benefits you and a doctor. What you get to see more often, you get to maybe things are changing. You could go over with them and he does get paid more. But maybe with this universal health care in the future, maybe it'll change. Because I know doctor visits are, could be expensive. If you're seeing somebody, you know, every month, that's like, what, 50 bucks for some people. And that's, that's good. That's a lot of money. So people don't even have insurance or you know, they have HMO versus PPO. I'm not sure what their health care costs. And then plus you got the deductibles. Maybe they got to do some tests. Well, Healthcare is expensive here in the United States and, you know, certain CT scans, MRIs, they, they cost hundreds of thousands of dollars and people are, you know, drowning in death with this. So maybe once we have universal healthcare, maybe they'll be more inclined to seeing a doctor, but then I feel like we would need more doctors. But, uh, but I like the way that things are going in the United States is because we have more like these NPPA clinics opening up that are, are run by doctors, but these doctors, instead of seeing this patient directly, they just deal with the NPs. So they have like four or five MPs under them and they'll deal direct with the patient while the physician does the orders. And I think that's going to be a nice setup. So if we have to do universal healthcare, I feel that's going to be more beneficial because you're going to have the options to see an NP, to see a PA first, have the doctors have the burden to see all these patients. Some of this kind of going to be you know spread out a little bit. So it's going to make life a little bit more easier for people in the medical field. Maybe that's going to show less burnout in the doctor's going to be less burnt out. So that means there's going to be more time for the patient with these NPs and PAs. And maybe ultimately that's going to drive patient engagement because we know that's the freaking golden ticket, guys. Patient satisfaction matters in healthcare. It's all money driven. Like it's it's nuts. Maybe that I think that's going to help a lot because these patients are probably not feeling enough from doctors. Yeah, that's very true. Hopefully we're going the right direction. Hopefully we have a good, good future. I think that's what summarize all we had to say, right? Or else you got anything else to say? I hear your mouth open, you go over there. Yeah, I think by episode 300, I think we're going to know enough shit in healthcare where I think we could start setting up a universal system ourselves, man. I think we could, we just need a lot of investors and I think we could pull it off. Yeah, we'll see what happens. You never know. Episode 300 is what, like a couple of years away. We need to learn law by then in order to uh, start this. Or maybe Bernie Sanders will be around, man. We'll freaking, we'll get endorsed by him. Maybe we'll see. We'll see. So let's summarize this. So long story short, guys, when it comes to getting the most out of your doctor, right? You want to make sure you pick the right one. Why are you seeing him? That's going to help you narrow the decision where you, how far you want to commute closer, further, what the diagnosis is, maybe just a regular visit. You want to have a good open or the opening statement, know what to say, how to assess your pain, do your DYR, doing research, figure out what's going on. And ultimately, if you feel like you're not getting satisfaction from your doctor, let him know about the experience. Let him know that 
hey, I didn't like you didn't do this or you 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 seem like you didn't listen to me. Be honest with them. Tell them straight up. And if this is the doctor that doesn't deserve you as a patient, switch it. That's my advice at the end here. Yep, exactly, guys. And don't lie. There is zero room for lying with your physician. And for all your health freaks out there, health nuts, BPA is more predominant in the United States, in our foods, in our plastics. So if you're a really health nut, minimize your plastics, look for that number five or look for that number that we have in our show notes and tune in next time guys see you next friday take care guys deuces